Welcome to Kingdom.Think, where we are reading the Bible in one year, and today we're covering a lot of difficult topics, actually. And we're going to... the kind of topics that most people don't like to read. They like to study the Bible, they like to read the Bible, but when it comes to these two, two particular issues, they tend to skim it over or not bring it up at all. And that would be chapter three of Peter. There's a topic in there you're not going to... not that you're not going to like, but it's 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 a topic that is always up for discussion and then we start the book of job yep don't like to tackle job right because things don't make sense and you're often left after you read job with questions too many questions and it starts to put doubt in your mind or it starts to make you you realize you don't have all the answers to every passage and that can be a little frustrating so What's happening in chapter 3 of First Peter? Right off the bat, we're talking about the subject of wives submitting to your husbands. Okay, this is when everybody's women, their hairs go up in the back of their neck and they start to just... And then some women are saying, yes, 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 you're supposed to submit. Okay, first of all, if you actually don't read the Bible, then you almost don't have right to take it out of context. You don't have right to just say, women, submit to your husbands. If you haven't read the whole Bible and you don't know the character of God, or you haven't come to the conclusion of your own identity, then how can you possibly use one passage or one verse with such authority if you don't know where it comes from? So keep that in the back of your mind. But you've been reading, so you'll have a much more tender heart. You'll have a much more understanding. You'll understand the culture. You'll understand the culture of those times. You'll understand the spirit of of the biblical times. You'll understand how to discern what is black and white and what is um, more from a spiritual context if you read the Bible on a consistent basis. Okay. Wives, in the same way, we submit ourselves... In the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by their, by the behavior of their wives. Oh, okay. So we're talking about Christian women submitting to your husbands, especially if he's not a believer, that the way you behave will make him soften his heart. Okay. So if he's not a believer... Okay, let's just keep going. Um, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from the outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self. Okay, now again, don't take things out of context. It doesn't mean, see, women, just submit to your husbands and don't wear jewelry. Or don't, don't be overly fancy. Not true. It's not what it's saying at all. It's not what it's saying at all, because it is making reference. If you're trying to use your outer appearance, but your inner self is not healthy or is um, you don't have a good inner self, well, it doesn't matter what you put on the outer self. Don't use that as a as a way to attract people or a way to influence people. That doesn't matter doesn't matter if you're decorated nice on the outside or not. It's the inner self that matters. The unfailing beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, 
Okay, a gentle and quiet spirit doesn't mean that you can't speak up, you can't stand up for yourself. Um, Biblical submission should not be separated from biblical responsibility. So men have responsibility in how um, they respect and honor their wives. And then another responsibility that is if you need to speak up, if you need to be a strong woman, then you do speak up. It's just done. You can still speak up and stand, speak your truth, even with a gentle spirit. It me a quiet spirit can be very clear, very direct, very precise, very bold, and not be out of control and frantic and yelling and screaming and using word curses, um, which is a term I just heard. So, so take some time to really contemplate on what that means and don't um, take it as just women are just supposed to blindly be agreeable and never speak up for themselves. That is so not true, not true, not true. And if you read the Bible, you'll see other contexts where women were not like that and that's not the intent at all. Um Let's see, let's see. For this is the way the holy women of the past who had put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. Okay, so go ahead and continue. Okay, and then it says down below, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and the heirs with you, heirs with you as the gracious gifts of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So does that mean, again, people don't like these words, weaker partner? If you read the Bible, you don't have to worry about that because your heart will be in the right place. When you read a word and it gets, it rubs you the wrong way or it irritates you or offends you, check your heart. Because could it mean that women muscularly, physically, or politically in those days, or what they could own in property in those days were weaker? Don't look at it out of context. And then the rest of the chapter um, talks about suffering and how that happens. Um, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insults with insults. (laughs) Do not repay evil with evil or insults with insults. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because of this. Because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. You know, it's interesting that that's after the whole topic of wives submit to your husbands, when in reality, it's basically saying everyone, everyone be of quiet spirit and a a gentle spirit. It's saying it right here, across the board, right? Um, Okay, let's see, what else? For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So the whole thing about don't repay evil with evil. So then it makes people say, see, this person did something bad to you, turn the other cheek, don't do anything. Everything should not be taken out of context. Everything should be individual. Every issue should be considered on its own. So for example, if you jump off a building and halfway down, you going down the building, you decide you want to repent for jumping off the building and you say, God, forgive me 
Forgive me for jumping off the building. Please forgive me. Does that mean God's going to mysteriously make a parachute pop out of your back? No, but will God forgive you? Yes. God will forgive you in that moment. But the consequences, the cause and effect of jumping off the building, you're still going to land on the ground. Yes, he will forgive the soul and the spirit, but you're still going to land on the ground because there's a cause and effect. So if someone does evil and, and you take each situation individually and you decide or that person did something evil, there are, cause, there are consequences. They may be forgiven or you may forgive what they did to you so you don't hold on to it anymore, but there may be consequences that they have to deal with because of their choices and their actions. Because Christians are not um, supposed to just be, just roll over and let the whole world be cruel to them. Nope, it's not what the Bible says at all. Again, we know that because we actually read the Bible. Um, it also talks about in this chapter, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer by doing good than for doing evil. Okay, I'm going to kind of, oh, no, no, I have to touch on one more thing. At the end, we talk about water baptism. Water symbolizes, symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from your body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. So water baptism is like a pledge with God. <laughs> Isn't that so powerful? Because oftentimes we think that, or we don't know why we're baptizing in water, or we think it's part of being saved. Actually, it's, it's like an oath. It's a pledge. It's like shaking a hand of God. It's a symbolizing of shaking a hand with God. Say, I choose to live with a clear conscience in partnership with God. That's what it means by being a co-creator. We are supposed to be co-creators with God here on earth. That's what water baptism represents. <laughs> I did not know that was in 1 Peter chapter 3. So that was pretty exciting to hear all about water baptism. Changes everything, right? So that's what I mean. Keep reading the Bible every single year because you never know what you're going to stumble across. Don't always just pick your favorite verses or just don't always just hang out in Psalms and Proverbs. There's so much treasure everywhere. Okay, let's move on to Job. What the heck is going on here? First of all, we don't know who the author is. And the other weird thing that I just discovered, Job wasn't even an Israelite. Interesting. Didn't realize that before. And who wrote the book? I also read a little piece saying that there's many references to that to the time of Genesis. So it's possible that this happened earlier on, like back in Genesis, um, but it might have been a story that was told orally over the generations, and then that was finally written. Or maybe it actually did happen during this time, but it's believed to ha be to have happened much earlier. Some believe maybe it was a story and not that it didn't really happen. I don't know. Those are the kind of questions you will not really come to an answer. But when you go to heaven, you can have a conversation with God and say, can you kind of explain the intention and the details to the whole story of Job? But until you get there, you're going to have to come to some resolutions in your heart and in your mind. So here we have this amazing man, Job, the best on earth. 
so blessed, seven sons, three daughters, all the wealth. He was the greatest man on earth. That's the stage that was set for us. That's the beginning of Job, the stage that was presented. And then some angels and Satan. Why they were hanging out with Satan, I don't know. Go to God and they have a conversation. Again, you may not understand the story. So just listen to the story and let your brain and your heart and your mind mull over it versus trying to come to absolutes just yet. So basically, Satan says, kind of makes reference to, yeah, people, I'm, 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 I'm implying, this is the implications I got, that Satan was saying, yeah, people follow you, people love you, because you bless them. Look at Job. I mean, no, God's the one who said, look at Job. Satan didn't point out Job. God pointed out Job. He's a man who, who will worship and honor God no matter what. Satan says, no, 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 no. Love is conditional. God says, no, that's not true. I'm paraphrasing. And so God says, don't hurt Job, but go check him out. Go ahead, try. He will still love me and honor me. So what happened? He lost his children. He lost his sheep and his oxen and his fields, everything. He lost all his worldly possessions and his children. And yet he still honored God. He did, yep, he still honored God. Then in chapter two, Satan went back and says, and God says, see, Job will still honor me. Satan says, "Mm, not when it comes to life or death, not when he thinks he's going to die, he's going to um, deny you and curse you. No, that won't happen. Go check out Job, as long as you don't kill him. Well, Satan went down, and again, I already have questions in my mind, as you can tell, with my pauses. Satan went down, and I don't know, I guess he afflicted sores on Job's body. And even Job's own wife says, why are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. And at the end of chapter two, his friends come along. And this is where the story gets a little sophisticated as the friends begin to speak into Job's life. But right now, the end of chapter two, the friends just sit with him in silence for seven days and seven nights with Job and his suffering. The one thing it does say is that friends, you don't, when we have a friend that's suffering, you don't need to say anything. Just go be with them. I wish I had read this long time ago because I never knew how to handle it when people suffered. I didn't know. I, I'm a fixer. I like to go in and fix things, find a solution, make it better. Sometimes that's not what's required. Sometimes you just need to go and be with them seven days and seven nights and just sit there. I didn't know that. I wish I had. I do now, though. Um, okay. Wasn't that a lot to unpack? Go back and read Job 1 and 2, 1 Peter 3. And it's funny because we talk about suffering in 1 Peter 3, and we see the unfolding of suffering in Job's life in chapters 1 and 2. Clearly, there's a message for you and me 
in what we're reading today. It's obviously tilling the soil of our heart, both of those passages put together. So there you go. Enjoy. No, I don't think you'll enjoy it very much, but at least go read it. Job 1 and 2, 1 Peter 3. All right. Have a great day. I'll see you soon.